Welcome to LJ's Open Forum, and I am Michelle Johnson, your host, and we just like to start off by saying how wonderful a day it is, how beautiful it is outside, and I hope everyone's having a great day. Um, just wanted to come to you and discuss what has been on the minds of everyone um, in this country, and that's black-on-black crime. So... What I look at is now, why aren't we really talking about black-on-black crime? So I looked at a couple things. If you express support for Black Lives Matter, if we've even spoken out against police brutality, we've written a blog, we've done a podcast in the the past few weeks, then you've probably been asked, someone's been angry at you for not mentioning how many more black people kill other black people compared to the cops or compared to the police, as we said. Now, there are answers to the question, but why aren't we really talking about black-on-black crime? Now, when we look at the critics um, of Black Lives Matter, you don't want to hear them. However, when you look at black-on-black crime, is it, is it being used as a misdirection? Um, do the Does the political climate try to change or derail black-on-black crime. Um, when you even talk to African-Americans, sometimes they'll say, yeah, but you're not talking about black-on-black crime. If we mention Black Lives Matter, and we if we talk about police brutality in this country, that's a separate issue. But then there's always someone that'll come up and say, but what about the communities and black-on-black crime? So why I'm doing this podcast today, just to answer a few questions or raise some questions, because believe you me, I am not an expert on this. There are, you know, proponents out there, so, so, sociological reasonings, there are phys- physiological reasons, there are psychological reasons, there are all types of political and mental reasonings behind the discussion of on black-on-black violence, as I call it, and not crime. So we need to really sit back and discuss it and determine, hey, what does it really mean? Why aren't people talking about it? And when they do, why do they try to lump it in with black on black crime, black lives matter and all lives matter? These are totally different issues and and totally different discussions. But we try to lump them together to try to tell a person, hey, you're wrong when you talk about black lives matter because what about all the black people killing each other? Um, But that's a different thing. Black on black crime is black against black, which usually happens in communities, in poor communities where the same people live together. We kill each other. Whether we're white, we're black, we're Hispanic, we're Asian, we're Russian, we're any other nationality, when we tend to live in the same community together, we we kill each other. We tend not to drive um, around looking for a person of another color to kill unless you're in some form of a um, racist um, group. KKK, things like that. So when you look at if they cared, right, to me, you'd be asking about crime within our community year-round. As many black activists, neighborhood leaders, um, we all talk about this. And I remember back in 91, believe you me, in 91, I was probably, what, 26. And I saw this wonderful movie, great movie, um, directed, written by John Singleton, called Boys in the Hood. And um, all the things that 
one of my favorite characters, Doughboy, was saying, and it's still true today. And I wrote this down because I wanted to get it correctly. If I spotted it off, it probably missed a couple words. But he was saying when he was talking to his friend, either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the hood. Now, when someone and an opponent, like a Black Lives Matter, when they talk about blacks killing blacks, it's almost always to deflect attention away from police brutality, as if one issue makes the other more acceptable. You know, like if, let's lump it in with police brutality, let's lump it in with all lives, all lives matter, let's lump it in with everything so we can, like, misdirect you away from what the real issue is with black on black crime, with white on white crime, any other nationality crime, and then you want to lump it in, which makes no sense, with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is about police brutality. It's not about all lives matter, Black Lives Matter, and everything else. We have to get that straight. Stop trying to throw that in somebody's face when they talk about, and they have a t-shirt that says Black Lives Matter or or decal on their car or something in the window. Stop trying to say, well, what about black on black crime? It's a different thing. So we have to look at that differently. You know, it's, it's almost when I think about it, it's like when someone commits the act of terrorism against the U.S., which rightfully leads to anger and sadness, no one asks, well, that. Well, what about how many Americans kill other Americans each year? Because we should, that would be crazy. No, we wouldn't say that. But, you know, by all means, let's really talk about black on black crime. And you've probably seen all the statistics before. The majority of black people murdered or killed by other black people. That's true. But it's also misleading. Okay, so I want to break that down a little bit. The overwhelming majority of white murder victims each year are killed by white assailants. So when the last time you heard the term white on white crime, it's sometimes you don't see that on the news. You say this person was murdered by this person. And you, you determine after you see the news or you read the newspaper or you're online reading you determine that they were both Caucasian. They don't say it was white on white crime happened, but they seem to always want to discuss black on black crime. So let me just say this, because it's very close to my heart. I live in Philadelphia, PA. And in Philadelphia, PA, you know, we have a pretty high homicide rate. So I'm just gonna spill some some statistics down because you know people gotta hear stats. Now For me, just remember, black-on-black crime is an issue for me. But it doesn't have anything to do with Black Lives Matter. Because I totally agree with that and believe in it. And think that police police brutality is even bigger than what they're showing us on the news. It's even, we don't even talk about, you know, how some people are picked up and beaten up, abused, things happen to them, threatened. All these things are going on, that's still police brutality. You know, hundreds of years, it's been police brutality. You know, when Lincoln freed the slaves, and then Lincoln was assassinated, and Andrew Jackson got in and started up all the different things. All those people that held positions in Congress got their positions back after the war and still upheld, you know, black codes and, and Jim Crow laws and everything they could do to keep the person down the black person down, the black family, the black man. Let's put it all. There was a concerted systemic effort to do this. So we need to stop talking about, you know, people can pull up their bootstraps and move on. We, if we pulled our bootstraps up, they ripped the bootstraps off. 
They hang us in trees. They came up with everything they could come up to to keep us back in a form of slavery. So when you look at that and you start to talk about, you know, who the Ku Klux Klan is, all of these people, they're, they're your senators. They were your congressmen. They were your mayors. They were your sheriffs. They were your lawyers. They were your doctors. They were your teachers. They were the corner store owners. They were the car dealership owners. Everything you wanted to do, somehow they were involved to keep their foot on your neck and keep you and us down. So you have to look at those beginning things that, that affect today. The history of our country affects us today. The history of the family, the black family, the white, it affects us today. So when we sit back and look at it, yeah, black on black crime. It's been black on black crime as far as you can go back. You can back, go back into the 1900s, early 1900s, and see the stats in the cities of black on black crime and white on white crime and national crime. You know, the FBI will show you the national crime from last year. I can sit back and really just delve into the national perspective, but that's a broad brush. And, and a lot of people use that to deflect you away from things. What I want to look at is the community, the neighborhood, and how the percentages look. And, and what I found was this, Philly homicides rose in 2019. And let me say the reason why I'm not really looking at 2020 is because by the time we got to April, there were already about 127 homicides in Philly since the start of 2020. So it keeps rising each day. That's a 19% more than it was same time last year. Like it was 107 last year at the same time. Um, so the last time we were close to 130 murders by the end of April was in like back in 07. So just think about that. So we're the largest city in Pennsylvania. We already charted back in 2019, 356 homicides. That's what I had written down. That's what I looked up. So up from 353 the year before, which was 2018. And the number of shooting victims, the homicide rate was the highest, like I said, since 07, when the city recorded 389 homicides according to the Philadelphia Police Department data. Let's get to our people. African-American men made up the overwhelming majority of those killed, which is like 73%, sorry. When black women were added and were included in this percentage, black people, that's me, that's you, and whoever is black that's listening to this podcast made up 85% of those killed in the city of Philadelphia. Now get this, even though we only make up about 41.5% of the city's population. So let's start there. So then I said in my mind, when I found that and read those stats, I said, now I need to look at the neighborhoods because I want to find out who, what's the biggest um, murder rate in, in, in these neighborhoods. So then I said, well, let me check the police data by looking at the districts. Now, I work for, you know, I work for the state, so I'm able to find this stuff fairly easy, easily and, and, and put it together because we had those numbers. The 22nd police district in Philadelphia, and I do not expect you to know where this is at if you do not live in Philadelphia. But again, this is in reference to black on black crime. Is it the truth or is it a lie? The 22nd and the 25th police districts are mostly located in Philadelphia's North Philly area. And they were the two most violent districts through Friday, Friday, December the 27th, 2019. 
The 22nd District accounted for 33 homicides and 25th District Police District accounted for 39 homicides, respectively. The districts which neighbor each other contain North Philly, the vast majority of North Philly, including the Fairhill section and Strawberry Mansion section. If people live in Philly gonna know that you don't live in Philly, doesn't matter. But what it's saying is there's high rates in those areas where the, the majority of people in those areas are poor and there are a high number of African-American people that live in those neighborhoods. So when I go back to as of December the 27th and I said 2019, get this number people, 1,445 people were shot in the city. Now, that's an increase over 2018, according to the data in this city. Again, black men were the main targets of the violence, accounting for 75% of the victims. Now, if you add black women, it goes up to 80-something percent. Get this. Philadelphia homicide rate is outpacing cities with far, with far larger populations. And you know where I go. As soon as I got an issue, I go to New York because I want to see what they're doing in New York because, you know, New York is the poster child for all the great um, programs that's happening with violence in their city. So, New York has eight point, about 8.6 million people compared to, we got 1.5 in Philadelphia. That's what they logged in murders in Duke, December 22nd, 19. 100, no, sorry, 290 murders, according to the New York Police Department's website. So in 2018, New York City had 295 murders. In 2019, 290, sorry, 290. Compared to Philadelphia, which by December 2019, we charted 356 murders in the city of Philadelphia, which in turn, 75% were involved black men. And when you involve black women, the percentages go up to 85 or more percent of violence in the city. That includes us, where we only make up 41.5% of the population. That is scary. And it's scary because we're killing each other at a huge rate. And in reasons being, you know, drugs is involved, arguments, I don't like you, you don't like me. You know, you talk to my girl, your car look better than mine, you got more money than me, you got a better job. It's a lot of variables involved in black-on-black um, -black crime and violence in the city of Philadelphia. So when you look at the violence that, are, that is occurring in the, in the city of Philadelphia, what are, like, what are we really doing? So now, you got the, the, last year they had the pair of new anti-violence initiatives from Mayor Kenny. He's the mayor of Philadelphia, police, and, and, and the police department commissioner. At this time, we have a new commissioner in 2020. So there was an anti-crime initiative where every city, big city with crime issues, you know, try to do. And it was called Operation Pinpoint. So it had some success. Now it tried to, like some of the violent crimes had been reduced in areas, certain areas that it was applied. They used grids to try to do this. But, you know, nobody's really celebrating this crap because we realize that it's a lot of work that has to be done. People out there, this is this starts to, to, to change the gun violence in Philadelphia. This starts from the cradle up into these people are teenagers and to adults. And what do you think that 
the things that can change it. You know, the parents, the home life, the education. But remember, these pe- a lot of these people come up struggling. They come up with drug-addicted parents. They come up with poor parents. They can't afford to do nothing. Working on little jobs that they can't even afford to pay for. You know, they're welfare recipients that are struggling to, to, to make it in a society. So drug sales, domestic violence, are like the, the, the driving force, the driving contributing factor to the overall homicide rate in Philly. And, it, and it's influenced in 2020. I already said that it's 2020 now. And we up to, it was April. So you know we got a lot more. It's, it's, it's July the 1st. So we got a lot more. I just don't have the stats. But it was 127 at that point. So you know we got some more happening because every time you turn around, somebody's getting shot. Somebody's getting, they're dying or they're living, but they're in the hospital, you know, they're beat up. There's always something going on. Philly's homicide rate continues to rise. It's even in a quarantine where they told us to stay in. We're quarantined, you can't go out. The murder rate is still rising amongst black people. So our new commissioner, Danielle Outlaw, you know, I her story and her job is going to be one that's going to be told from years down the road of how well she did being the first African-American female commissioner in the city of Philadelphia. What are we going to do? People even look, when you go on the internet and look, it says, what are the neighborhoods to avoid in Philadelphia? Get this, what are the neighborhoods to avoid in Philadelphia? So I said, let me look, let me search. Let me go in and throw what areas in Philadelphia are dangerous. The most dangerous areas in Philadelphia is based on the data from local law enforcement agencies that's available. And these are estimates based on a demographic data in an area. Tioga, Nicetown, Allegheny, West, North Central, Strawberry Mansion, Haddington, Carroll Park, Fairhill, Brewerytown, Harrogate are the most dangerous places in Philadelphia, okay? We go back to the 22nd and the 25th police district handling those areas. And that's where you got all the homicides housing. Now I'm in a different area, but it happens here too. Just couldn't pull the numbers for where I live for some reason. So then I asked the question, is Philadelphia more dangerous than New York City? Hey, I don't know. I'm saying, if you look at the numbers, 290 in New York, 356 in Philly. Hey, we, we, you know, we're trying, we're outpacing them and they're much larger than us, have much larger um, ghetto areas as people call it, or people that are more low income, which spreads black people there. So it says, out of America's 10 largest city, the murder rate in its safest city, New York, is less than a quarter of the murder rate in its most dangerous large city, Philadelphia, with 5.1 murders per 100,000 compared to 21.5. New York is then seen as the second most dangerous, followed by LA and DC. Those were years ago. But even in a pandemic in Philadelphia, we can't stop the murders. So I don't know what more you can do to try to solve the problem. But, you know, all these operation initiatives and everything can help. It's sad to me 
that in Philly it's actually we kind of unique to other much larger sister cities because before and during the pandemic New York City is a metropolis of nearly almost, I said 8.5 million, 9 million people, and it has yet to hit 100 homicides in 2020. Last check, it was at 92. Now, murders have been 5.7% higher than what they were last year. It's an increase there for certain, but not in near Philadelphia's 19%. And we haven't even dropped below 10, like 10%, which is a higher mark than the past in like several months. We just can't stop killing each other. So let's go back to when we talk about black on black violence. Because remember what I said in the beginning of the podcast. And I'm going to have a guest come on in, in the next couple weeks to even, you know, we're going to go at it about this even deeper. But go back to when I said black lives matter. A whole different, a whole different, different part of what we're talking about because it's about police brutality. So let's separate that. But then you have a lot of people that say, oh, the numbers, the numbers on black on black crime are skewed, it's misdirected, it's derailed. They're trying to, the political climate is to push that. Yes, it is. The political climate is to push back on black on black crime in the community. You know, when you hear Hillary Clinton talk about this years ago about, you know, that evil, those bad guys in the neighborhood, that's black on black crime. So they were talking about that. That's part of like, we can get rid of black on black crime in your community and you'll be safer and live longer. That's, you know, make you feel good about something. When you brush it and you look at the crime rates nationally, it's a lot different. But when you look at anywhere where the same people live in a, in a low-end community where no money, their, little, you know, their income rate is, is totally low, they're going to kill each other, whether they're white, black, Hispanic, Asian. So let's stop there. They're going to kill each other. That's just it. But the numbers that you look at that we're killing each other due to domestic violence and due to um, drug issues is staggering. 127 homicides in Philadelphia since the start of 2020. I just told you New York had less than 100 in that same time period. Under a pandemic, and we're supposed to be quarantined. So all the city leaders in Philly are up in arms, eyeballs rolling. It's a pandemic. And then they say, hey, there's a lack of public focus and conversation on homicides. But, dude, the numbers never change. The numbers go down a little bit, then they increase. Gang violence in the city is huge. I live in, a, I live in an area that's relatively quiet. It's a block. Because, you know, you can live in parts of the cities. You did big cities like Chicago, Philly, New York, Baltimore, Detroit you know, Ohio, LA, Florida, wherever you're at, we can live in certain areas where people will say, I live in on a great block, especially in the big cities. I live in a great, a great block, meaning there nothing goes on this block. But if you walk two, two, two blocks up the street, sorry, you may be in a whole different, I call it bad land. So there were two to three people killed on this block in the last two years. At the end of the block, I live at the top of the block and at the bottom of the block, you know, there's shooting going on when somebody's murdered. Drugs and gang violence. This is what's going on. I walk three blocks up the street, drugs and gang violence, murders. So this is why it's such a big question when we start out in the beginning and say, why aren't people talking about it? Well, why? Because it's what people don't, the political proponents will talk about it, 
but when you look at the people in the community, they just, it starts to just be a norm. It, it, it becomes a norm. So what can you really truly do if you're not pushing education, you're not putting money into education, you're not making all the available programs for kids available, you're not, you're not really pushing mental health, you're not trying to take away and make the community better. You know, you're not doing any of that. We were in the point back in the beginning of the pandemic, and I think the Philadelphia schools, along with the national schools, probably were closing near the end of March. And and at that time, people that lived outside the city in other counties, like Delaware County, Montgomery County, Berks County, um, Chester County, those kids already had laptops, which were basically a Chromebook. And internet was provided um, programs online, Google, YouTube, and everything was provided for them, and they were fine. Our kids did not get laptops until May the 17th. So the kids in the other counties had their laptop the full month and was in school and was learning. We waited. Now, they were giving away packets in the Philadelphia School District, and the Philadelphia School District was like they didn't have the money to do the things that they needed to do, and so they were all pretty much stuck so we had to wait because the money wasn't in the budget to do this so where I come what I'm saying is that if you are willing across the state and the governor to put money into other things we need to put money into the Philadelphia school districts for education we need to put money into the mental health aspects of making sure these people had mental health the black community likes to get away from mental health like nothing's wrong with them let let me just make it as I, I can go I can make it. I can get along. I think now in 2020, we're really pushing it in the black communities, but it needs to be pushed because there are people that definitely need help. The money needs to go into these initiatives. They put all this money into opioid dependency, millions of hundreds of millions of dollars into opioid dependencies. You know, they were trying to open up places in Philadelphia where they could go and shoot up the drugs. Thank God in South Philadelphia, those those community leaders and, and community members stepped up and said, hell no. The money should be going to education. Opioid dependence, you need mental health. You need to get off the drugs. If you can't do it, you know, God, God help you if you can't do it. I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm going to put $100 million into that but I'm not gonna put $100 million into education to, for the beginning to start to help the violence in the city in the poor neighborhoods. We have to do it. We have to act, offer free after-school programs. We have to offer free computers for kids in the school, online learning and programs for them to learn in order to try to, to, to squash the numbers and, and, and decrease the percentages. We need a more creative, collaborative, effort in the city from our leaders but to me it seems like this ceremonial conversation every year about black on black crime so the new commissioner is going to need to quickly transition from being a what you call a big city police chief to something um, more a major public face a personality that can increase community confidence in order for us to start to try to decrease these numbers in the community Black on black crime is true, people. The stats don't lie in this. It's just that we are trying to prank a broad brush brush with it, and people get upset when you say black on black crime, and you say that's not true. We are killing each other 
85% when black women are included in the year 2019. Homicides in Philadelphia were black. And as we are only 41.5% in this city. The other 50-something percent, get it? Are other nationalities, and they are not killing each other like we are. So we have to talk about it. We have to do something, and it's a separate issue compared to Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, and everything else. Black on black crime is real, and we have to try to squash it. If we don't, it's going to become an issue later on down the road that people are not going to, you're going to be forced to talk about it. Because in a pandemic, when you want to quarantine and you're still killing each other, the urban violence is, is for real. And let's get, and I'm going to throw a little bit of this in here, and we'll talk about this later down the season. But black on black crime carries an implicit assumption that urban violence is a result of chronic lawless behavior enabled by community tolerance for criminality. That's wrong because African-Americans are worried about and strongly disapprove of violence in their communities. The majority of us do. That's correct. But there's a deep mistrust of the police in poor black neighborhoods. And this along with fear of reprisal from black criminals when you, what is it, when you snitch, lead to refusal to cooperate with authorities. Such non-cooperation only worsens the black crime problem by providing impunity for the most violent. Now, I'm going to give you an example from my self. People seen, saw who killed the, the young guy down the street from where I live. But when the police asked did anybody see anything, there were 40 people out there. Nobody saw anything. Nobody saw anything. So this right here perpetuates black-on-black crime because they figure you could see me do it. You ain't going to do nothing because you're going to be scared. I'm going to come back and kill you. That's just the way it is in the black community. Don't, there is a big, big X across snitching. You could write snitching up on any wall in the city, snitch. And it's a big X against it because you don't snitch on nobody. And that's in every big city, in every immigrant neighborhood, black, white, poor people ain't talking, okay? Because they're, they're scared of the reprisal that's going to happen if they do say something. So we have to really look at this and say, you know, is snitching wrong? Can it get some of these brothers and sisters that's committing violent acts off the street? What can we do? But when you're stuck in a community and you have no money, let's get, get it straight, people. Because somebody gonna listen to this and say, yeah, I'm gonna talk. Okay, you live on a corner, you live in a neighborhood, you're poor, you ain't got no money, you can't move, you can't go, the police ain't gonna protect you, and you go snitching on some group of people or some person, and their whole family come on, one of them, you know, blow your house up, want to stalk your children, stalk you on social media, come to your house and stalk you, try to kill you in your house. These are the things that's going on. The elephant in the room. And the, the, the ever-looming question in Philly, um, and I call it their underperforming homicide division. They don't do nothing. The homicide clearance rate is like the low 40 percentile. So... The national average gets this is 62%. So what's going on? Why is Philly tragically so special in such a bad way, right? How's the commissioner going to be able to 
um, hold her homicide division accountable for not solving cracks. I don't know. I don't know what can happen. But there are some people out here that are really looking at the community. And um, I did read a little bit about the Center for American Progress. And they had some good policing recommendations. Um, But it, it makes a larger point worth noting and making these changes. We must remember that less is not necessarily bad. The police alone cannot make the community safe. Let's just get that straight. I, I, it, we can't do it. We have to do it united. We can't do it separate. And um, I think I've learned over the years, you know, you know, you could simply, you could add more police, but that's, that doesn't equate more safety. Then we're going to jump over to what? Black Lives Matter in that aspect. It takes an entire community working with the police to sustain long-term public safety people. We got to know that. We got to know that. You don't want to snitch. You don't want to talk. And it, that's just the way it's going to be in the community. We're not going to win that. But the stats don't lie, people. I'll go back to that and tell you again. The stats don't lie. Even in a pandemic, we can't stop murdering each other. And that's in the city of Philadelphia. I don't know what nobody else is doing in the city, but I don't know in Philadelphia, we are killing each other and it is black on black violence and crime. So this is LJ's Open Forum. I'm Michelle Johnson. And I want to talk a little bit more about this later, but I want you to hit me up on Spotify. I want you to hit me up on Apple Podcasts. I want you to hit me up even on Anchor. Even on, get this y'all, iHeartRadio. Get on there, listen to me. Get, raise my uh, iHeartRadio percentages up. Everybody's on I, Apple Podcasts and on Overcast, believe it or not. Listening to me. I want to hear some of y'all on um, iHeartRadio. Because Spotify is getting some percentages there, but we want to hear from you. You can also go on my website at www.ljsopenforumpodcast.com. You can see some of the episodes by clicking on the links. You can send messages to me. Um, you can critique my website and tell me how it's going to get, it should be better. And I will actually believe that it should be better. And you can also hit me up on all social media, Facebook, LJ's Open Forum Podcast. You can hit me on Instagram at LJ's Open Forum Podcast. You can get me on Twitter at LJ's Open Forum Podcast. And I will definitely love to hear your comments about this episode you know, get with me because we all have to talk. Whether you for me or against me, we're going to have to discuss black on black crime and what are some things we can get involved with in our communities to try to help some of this. But for me, is education, is mental health, is really raising our children to try to get along. And believe it or not, we all have to work unified. And if we can do that, we can kind of beat this thing. So you guys have a great day and be ready for the next upcoming episode on Rosa's story because I haven't finished with that yet, but I wanted to get in a little bit about our non-conversation about black on black violence. Is it a truth or is it a lie?